It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Welcome in inside the Gamecocks, the show. J.C. Sherbert here along with Phil Mullinax. It's a Wednesday, hump day, game week again. It's amazing how quick it goes by. Oh, yeah. uh, welcome all of you in. I want to remind everybody the first hour is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate of South Carolina, my hometown of Spartanburg. Be sure you check out uh, her info on the commercial and uh, take advantage of her services. She's awesome. Uh, Phil, how you doing today, man? Doing well, JC. Doing well. Just sitting here trying to, you know, figure out, <laughs> taking one last look at what happened Saturday and hoping everything gets resolved before next or this coming Saturday. Yeah, hopefully it's <laughs> resolved. It's uh, an interesting term. Yeah, Phil and I both had carpool issues this morning. I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. Uh, the youngest one ended up uh, falling back asleep. And when that happens, the oldest one's late. And so I volunteered and uh, and we call him turtle feet. Sometimes we call him the moose. Most of the time we call him turtle feet sometimes. Cause he's just slow getting ready. Yeah. I mean, this dude, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your average ninth grade girl is like getting ready, uh, in the morning <laughs> with their hair and everything. I mean, the hair, there's a hair dryer going, <laughs> there's, there's product. He always smells divine when he gets in the car. Nice. <clears throat> and this is a kid when he's in sixth grade, didn't we had to beg him to bathe. So, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I'm proud of him in a lot of ways, but uh, in other ways, it's not uh, conducive to uh, making it on time. So I almost didn't make it, but glad I'm here. Uh, we got Jamie Bradford in the second hour. Uh, as I promised yesterday, we're, we're going to go kind of go through the IHL Consulting mailbag first. And uh, a reminder, IHL Consulting can save your business money. Give Daniel a call. He's the man. Um, and and kind of just put the game last Saturday to bed and then move forward with Arkansas. I'm sure we'll get some of Jamie's thoughts about the game last Saturday, but uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we'll just put the Georgia state to bed uh, after that focus on Arkansas. There's a game this weekend, sec opener. Plenty of you are going out there. Check out the inside the Gamecocks Facebook page. Also the big I have an article up today. I have that video of Trey uh, Biddy, who was phenomenal again, by the way, this week, thanks to Trey um, talking about what to do, things to do out in Fayetteville. I don't, I don't think I've heard a better uh, list of options for Fayetteville than I have from, than I did from Trey. He, he's a, he's a native. He knows it. Uh, so go check that out if you're heading out for the game. I know Sawyer Knicks, the he of mental edge fame, uh, is going after the ball game. He talked about it yesterday, and it's uh, a lot of times when South Carolina doesn't go a play someplace for a while, they do take a big crowd. That happened at Ole Miss in 2018. Uh, Ole Miss is a very fun trip. So is Arkansas. So uh, safe travels to all of you that are heading out there. Today's poll question, uh, kind of interesting. Would you trade Texas A&M to get Arkansas back as the permanent opponent on the Gamecock schedule? Of course, this, is, this isn't going to mean anything in two or three years when the SEC redoes everything. Uh, I doubt Carolina will be playing either one of those teams, but it's a fair question. You know, the Gamecocks played Arkansas for 12, 13 straight years, and, uh, you know, you kind of miss those folks, I think. 
um, I know yeah. I do. I, I, I got a sentimental I, attachment to him too because we came into the league at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I and I do kind of I do wish the Gamecocks would have gotten to play some of those Chad Morris teams instead of yeah, right Texas A and M. We traded you know? off of them at the wrong time, <laughs> and that happens, Phil. It's crazy because, like you know, so when Carolina came into the league, and, and everybody kind of thinks it's a conspiracy. Oh, the SEC is not going to do you any favors. But but I'll say this: the SEC has been pretty fair uh, to South Carolina. It just hasn't seemed that way. Uh, and check this out: so when the Gamecocks came in the league, nineteen ninety two to about ninety two to oh two, there were two permanent opponents from the West and one rotating. Right? Was so before uh, you know, and then they decided, well, let's just have one and then two rotating. Uh, but first of all, it started off, it was Mississippi State and Arkansas. Fair enough. That's the team that came in with you. And then a, a team that's really, you know, traditionally not one of the strongest. But then Jackie Sherrill during the 90s was at, at Mississippi State. And they won the West one year. And they had some of their best teams, you know, pre-Mullen. Uh, mm. And Jackie Sherrill was there. And then the minute they went to crap and they hired Sylvester Croom, who had a big rebuild in front of him, uh, in 02, Mississippi State goes off the schedule. The Gamecocks, of course, retained Arkansas this entire time. They won a division under Danny Ford. They won two divisions under Houston Nutt. That was back when the West was kind of the wild – they called it the Wild West. It was the stronger division was the East. Um, well, then, Brett Bielema – they have the John L. Smiths. They have the Bobby Petrino. Who, by the way, I don't, I don't know of a single Gamecock fan that was upset that Bobby Petrino was gone because he, he sort of owned the Gamecocks. Uh, and he was kind of kind of went out in a blaze of glory there, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he had the John L. Smith year, and then the first year under Bielema, uh, and the Gamecocks beat him 52-7 to seven out there. And, uh, and then the Chad Morris disaster, but Arkansas was off the schedule. So when they put A&M on the schedule, right, at the time they decided that, A&M was a 6-6 six and six football team coming out of the Big 12. Oh yeah, you kind of thought oh, they got a little ways to go, but uh, then Johnny Manziel and Kevin Sumlin, and they've just owned the Gamecocks. I mean, yeah. I mean, even even you know, I, I, I even read it on the BigSpur.com sometimes. Phil, people will talk about A and M in the same category that they talk about Alabama and Georgia. It's yeah. just not. I mean, Mississippi State's like five and five against them since joining the league. The Pirate won out there last year. Arkansas beat them. South Carolina just can't beat them. Um, so anyway, that's the, that's the deal there. Uh, going to say hello to our folks in the Nana sports chat box. Where is everybody today? Craig asked mm-hmm. the same thing, Craig. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, what's good. Uh, Joey Sox says morning guys. Did you see and hear the news about the Kentucky running back transfer tear his ACL? I think that'll be a big blow to their run game. He was an FCS transfer all American and have wheels. Yeah. I like that kid. When they got him, I was like, well, you know, with Rodriguez's status up in the air, you still have Kavaski Smoke. They needed a second guy. Um, Kavaski Smoke, for some reason, has not been – he hasn't run as well as he usually does against the Gamecocks. Um, so they got that guy. So I do think it's a big blow, Joey, unless Chris Rodriguez gets reinstated, which I have a feeling he will eventually, probably right before they play South Carolina. Yeah, it'll be um, after week it, four. Yeah, yeah. If not this weekend when they go to Florida, it'll be right after they play South Carolina. <laughs> um, and so that's the deal there. Morning, gents. As always, go Cox Semper Fi says Ja Fowler, J A Fowler Semper Fi. And what, what do we always say? 
Phil. Thank you for your service. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared says, does our game plan change much? No one Arkansas is maybe down two DBs. Uh, I think South Carolina is going to throw it anyway. Now, I'll caution you, as Trey said on the show, one of their backup safeties that would probably replace Catalan, who's an elite player, is Latavius Brenny. Oh, he just started 12 games at Georgia last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, not, a ba- yeah. <laughs> not a bad player there. And then they got another transfer from LSU that they can stick back there. So I, I don't know. Um, I do think South Carolina will try to run the football. I, You know, Spencer Rattler was talking after the game about tempo and how he liked it and stuff. And, you know, maybe this is just a year, you know, where, where you got to go, you got to go do that and sort of, and I, and I said this during the off season because you, you have some people, that are in the uh, X's and O's category that, you know, Marcus Satterfield can do no wrong, right? You know, yeah. and, and, I, and I understand why the pe- people that love the X's and O's think that because he's got really good play designs, if you really look at it. I think sometimes, though, <laughs> you know, especially if you're going to go empty and five wide and all that, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and maybe doing something a little different to fit your quarterback uh, is a lot better than having your fitting a square peg into a round hole. So if Spencer's more comfortable with that, then I say do it. Doubt it'll happen just because I kind of, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, Daddy yeah. else is air raid this weekend. <laughs> uh, Rick says, happy Wednesday, folks. Anyone else thinking noon kickoff helps us? South Carolina's played better at, yeah. at noon lately. Uh, not so, I don't know so much under Beamer, but uh, under Muschamp, and, and I'm convinced this is kind of, one of the keys to the Muschamp era, I think the players during his era were a little bit tired at times. Uh, mm-hmm. They practiced really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, the new kickoff out there, it's 11 a.m. Arkansas time. Uh, those crowds typically are not as loud and ob- obnoxious <laughs> as maybe the, uh, oh, I guess the uh, – the nighttime crowd. Yeah, 3.30 and 7.30 games, yeah. <laughs> Colin says, I'd argue Arkansas is the harder game over A&M this year, especially on the road. Ryan says, I think Naked Atkins gets more reps this week. Stodger and wide receiver struggle blocking. Yeah, I wouldn't take Stodger off the field, though. They need to get him involved with the offense. You didn't bring him here to block. No, no, yeah. He's supposed to be a pass catcher. Pass catcher tight end, <laughs> yeah. So, play them both, heck, you know. And if it weren't for um, that push off, he'd had a good, you know, reception there in the middle of the field, which is what you're looking for. So, oh yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a talented player. Stogner and Van are two guys I look to get more involved in the passing game this week. Maybe Jaheim Bell on some vertical routes too. I think I, I like the short stuff to Jaheim. I like giving him handoffs every now and then. I I, I think counting on him to break 37 tackles and go to the house is a, is, is probably not as cool as kind of how they used him against North Carolina. Yeah. Just me. I mean, I mean, you can use them as however you want. I mean, whatever works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him on some some deeper type passes. Uh, Jeremy says 3124. He picks a lot of us overreacted this past weekend. Sat was holding plays so close to the chest. I'm surprised he could breathe, but we'll be okay. Go Cox. I don't know, Jeremy. I don't know <laughs> about that. I saw an awful lot of different plays. Yeah. A lot of different plays, man. A lot of different plays. They they I don't think they were vanilla. Um, Chris says, felt the game plan last week made very little sense on offense. Hope we don't waste all this talent with this play calling. Here's hoping the offense turns it around. And the daddy says, rolling pocket coming. I think Arkansas is going to be ready for that, brother. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like just like last year, they got Luke Doty out and rolled him out. I think it was against Troy. Was it Troy? 
and then they played Tennessee the next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Tennessee had a guy standing right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I knew it. Knew yeah. it like, uh, you know. Yeah, you after know. watching the film, they're definitely going to make sure Spencer stays back in that pocket. They're going to contain him. They're as best yeah. they can. But, well, yeah. and he can sit in there and fire it, man. He's got the arm talent to do it. Jared yeah, which says, is fine. We'd all like to see that in a clean pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Jared says, has Josh Van been passed on the depth chart after a lackluster game one? I don't think he started. I think Jalen Brooks started above him or mm-hmm. ahead of him. So he's got to get his uh, gig back. He's still listed as an oar. Um, Ashley said, how much of the special team success was an element of surprise? It is easy for teams to make adjustments and slow, or is it easy for teams to make adjustments and slow the roll? Uh, you know, I, I, I think what it does, you know, some teams like uh, South Carolina under Steve Spurrier don't work on special teams a lot. <laughs> you know, it's kind of just like, all right, 10 minute special teams, let's roll. <laughs> and yeah, Spurrier, they have those walk ons out there. Of course, uh, it came to change the course of history for Florida and South Carolina football both. Uh, the Gamecocks blocked two kicks. They had blocked a kick all year back in 2014 and won that game. So, uh, And Spurrier always had good field goal kickers. And return game, you know, Ace Sanders outside of him left a lot to be desired. Uh, the coverage teams sometimes were not the best. Uh, but, see, some teams don't work on it. So what you do when you go in <clears throat> to a game and uh, – you're good on special teams, or you do what Carolina did. That forces the opponent because you only have so much. I, I keep saying this: you only have so much time to practice. That's mm-hmm. why complexity of you know, I don't know. That's why that's why game plans and stuff like that we talk about needing to be simple and easy to learn on the fly. Uh, but you only have so many ta- so much so much time. So if you spend if you're not used to spending time on special teams, and you do, it takes away from the other prep. Uh, I think it's overwhelmingly positive. Um, and it also sometimes is a mental thing because you're the punter and you're back there against a team that can block kicks or, or you're on the coverage team against a team that loves to fake it. Uh, you know, you're going to get a little mental on it because you, mm-hmm. you've worked on you know. Uh, and so you're going to be a little nervous and uh, all that when people are nervous, they make mistakes. So we'll see sort of uh, what happens there. All right. So going to get into the – I hope coming back because I promise you we do this. And uh, chat box people, hang on. We have no guests the first hour, so mm-hmm. we got Jamie second hour. So here we go. Chris chimes in. He says a few questions from the game. Lots of fans on social media saying the offense looked vanilla. I disagree. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to say, people said in the post game that we now the offense wasn't productive. Yeah, but, you know, that's not effective. Yeah, but, but they didn't. You know, heck, Phil, I almost think that against a defense like that, uh, you, you you probably should go out and try to push them off the ball and establish the run. Yeah. You know, maybe get an eye formation, get Nate Atkins out there to block as a lead blocker and power mm-hmm. them over and back them off the line of scrimmage. I'm you always know. a proponent of putting a fullback in and just running it right at them. You know, yeah. if they're coming at you like that, just, hey, put it right back in their face. Yeah, or draws or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Beamer said in the post game, we have to narrow down what we're asking Rattler to do. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what is your take? I love the five wide sets. It's clear to me Satterfield knows who the playmakers are and is doing a great job getting them scheme the ball any way necessary. I, I, you know, I, I like five wide sometimes. What I'd like to see them do more of is spread it and run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course you can't do that out of empty, but you could do it out of four wide, uh, and all that good stuff. I think, um, 
you know, sometimes, you know, with South Carolina's offense, I feel sometimes they have too many people. And it's not the bunch formations because the bunch formations actually serve to get people open. Uh, it just seems like sometimes there's a lot of crowded, a lot of bodies right there around. I mean, it's spread it out a little bit. Man. Like give, give Rattler the whole field to see all that good stuff. Chris says our offensive line wasn't great, but was more disappointed in our tight end and wide receivers blocking. That's because probably they played the pass-catching tight ends the whole day. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, let, let's just be honest. Stogner can block, Bell can block, but that's not what you got him there for. Right. Uh, yeah. Trey Kenny can block. That's he's more of a blocker. Atkins can block. So. Uh, that's one thing that helped us run so well in the bowl game. Yes, EJ Jenkins was outstanding. Uh, Chris said, are you concerned about the pass rush? Don't think we had a sack all game, but I figured the way Georgia State runs with a quarterback run threat, we're content playing gap control, not bringing a ton of blitzers. Spencer Rattler can throw it on the run as well as any quarterback in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Um, no, I, look, I, I, the pass rush. Okay, this is interesting because I don't, I'm not concerned about the pass rush because of the Georgia State game because it's that type of game. Uh, am I concerned about it? I think it needs to be good this year. Right. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think they need to, they need to be able to get pressure because uh, they have a good enough secondary and good. They're good enough at linebacker this year too. If they bring pressure uh, that leads to turnovers. Thanks for your email, Chris. Yeah. And the quarterback um, you're playing this week is exponentially better than the one we saw Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, KJ's going to be able to throw it a little better than that, that guy. Um, so Gamecock pastor's got some, Got some takes. Top five observations. Call it the pastor's study. Since none of his tweets would be sent, would send from inside Williams Price. <laughs> Expanded notes of version from section 302. We can trust Nick Emanware. Very encouraging with the early Roderick injury. Nick looked big for a freshman, played well from his vantage point. Injuries in the secondary were a bit concerning. Hopefully they aren't going to impact us for weeks. I watched Rush limp and struggle put pressure on one leg for three or four plays before he gave up. Georgia State's second touchdown saw it coming from a mile away. Not sure why he didn't just pull himself or go out. Banks, Smith, and Blanton look capable of contributing earlier than expected. Yeah, uh, Kawan Banks probably would take Rush's spot. They'd, may, they'd probably move Cam Smith back over to corner and let Banks or Spalding play nickel, is my guess. Yeah. With that, uh, what do you think about Nick Emanuari, Keith? I mean, not Keith. God, Phil, <laughs> he lived up to all the preseason hype, man. This kid, I mean, he was flying all over the field. Uh, obviously, the big fourth down stop. But what I was also impressed with was his coverage ability. I mean, he was back there, well defending passes, and and just looked good all around. Yeah, I thought so too. I, I think he's one of those guys like that. You you know you hear about guys in preseason. I've said this before. Uh, but then you hear about guys like universally in preseason. That usually means they're pretty good. J.C. Horn was that way. It's Stephon Gilmore uh, were the last two folks from defensive back that felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Gamecock pastor study goes on. Rattler has an elite natural talent but lacks elite vision. I thought Spencer looked great and could have certainly benefited from more time in the pocket. Definitely the most talented quarterback I've seen come through in 28 years, but I thought he got a little spooked, bailed out of the pocket a little quicker than he should have at times. However, the most alarming thing here was wide open receivers. He didn't see a second drive of the game. He missed a wide open Brown on second and third down. Second down, Brown was 10 yards from any other player running down the middle of the field and would still be running if Rattler got into the ball. Instead, he checked down to Stoddard. Okay, I'm going to say this too. Uh, now, Amari and Brown being 10 yards behind the defense, uh, I get it. 
So that was probably assuming that that was a read, you know, assuming that wasn't kind of a, no. you know, don't go there as a diversion. Many times, though, I've noticed, and I'm guilty of the same thing, Gamecock Pastor, when I'm watching on TV and I'm watching in the stands, I will think a guy is open. Uh, and G.A. Mangus uh, sat me down one time because when I was talking, I was like, well, where are these guys wide open? And he's like, well, that's because they're not, you know. And he showed me the coaches' cut-ups where they, they have the, the – the, the view from where the what the quarterback sees, and when you're down there like that, you you don't necessarily see it from like up top where the guys are open or whatever. I'm not I'm not saying Brown wasn't right because there are certainly times that, that guys were, but sometimes there's a guy in the area or or you out of your vision you see a player and 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 you don't people don't understand you can throw it and the guy looks open but it's not a laser it's not a missile. Uh, it takes time to get there, and if that if that defensive back sees it, he can jump in front of it and pick it. Uh, I'm not saying that's what happened there. I'm just saying be careful about, oh, he had guys wide open all day because I've heard that for 20 years at Carolina, and uh, I was told real quick that's not the case. We got, you know, you got some people that think that, you know, and I, I'm with you there, and I'm not yeah. saying that he doesn't need to see the field better and that he didn't leave some out on the field. But uh, I would be careful with that, you know. No, but you might have that wide out streaking down the field too to clear the safety out of the middle of the field. That way, with the yeah. tight end makes the catch in the middle of the field, all he's got to do is burn a linebacker and go down the seam, you know. Yeah. Go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, special teams still matter. Beamer ball, great to see Jeter come in. The fake field goal was almost expected and still worked. Block kick just made a major impact. Squib kick on the kickoff was almost a big turnover as well. Shout out to Pete Limbo. These guys were prepared and executed well. Special teams does not get talked about unless you lose the game, like East Carolina's kicker this past weekend, or the muff punts in Florida State LSU. I just want to spread some positivity and highlight the special teams as a whole. And what what I really liked about it too is you have a guy like Rashad Amos who, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't get a lot of playing time on offense. You got a freshman like DQ Smith. You got Trey Kennedy, he's like the fourth, third, fourth tight end. Um, you know, you got guys like that out there making plays on special teams. And I dig that, uh, you know, those are guys that are good players. Uh, they just may be a little behind on the depth chart and the more they contribute, the happier they're going to be, the harder they're going to work, the more happy your roster is going to be. It's like when you get a blowout win and a lot of guys get to play and maybe score. Yeah. Um, so that's a cool thing there. Vanilla offense was supposedly the same plays that were called against North Carolina. According to Beamer offensive line could not run or pass block. Beamer cited the tight ends and receivers from his blocks as well. Everyone's going to talk about the O-line with the rest of the team looking like an eight- or nine-win team. I'm concerned the offensive, offensive line will hold us back. We can't get it figured out. Saw Dr. Rob tweeted this question about scheme versus ability. Uh, looking forward to hearing your take there. Uh, I don't think it was a vanilla offense. Uh, I, I, You know, there's a difference between having a bad offense and then being vanilla. I actually – like I said at the top, Pastor, I, I thought they maybe should have been a little more vanilla at the beginning to see, you know, when you got a team that's excited, that's running, 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 and then you spread them out and you start chucking it all over the yard, they get their adrenaline up, they pin their ears back, they're going to come after you. So, um, so I, I, you know, and I, the same plays against North Carolina, maybe. I mean, maybe they had those dialed up. Uh, it just seemed North- like there wasn't enough consistency in the play calling to actually get them to change what it was they were doing. It never you know? got in a rhythm like no. North Carolina. They probably call the same. I mean, same plays, yeah, but they, mm-hmm. they never got in a rhythm. The North Carolina game, you know, to carry on everybody, the offense kind of went with a rhythm. 
you know, you, you'd attack one side, then you'd run, then you'd attack the other side, and, and they were they were going. There was a rhythmic element to it from the really the start. Uh, didn't think they ever really achieved that on um, on Saturday night. But uh, yeah, you know, scheme versus ability on the offensive line. Um, like again, I've seen all these guys play better. Uh, if some of them can't get it together individually and they're keep being breakdowns, then maybe it's time to try somebody else. But uh, and, and I'm not necessarily saying it's scheme. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, you've seen these guys play all play better before. You know, they they, they probably need to do so again. Um, and maybe it was just Georgia State and kind of, you know, Georgia State's a, a special preparation, you know, on defense. Um, and uh, not a lot of teams run that defense. It's uh, it's it's kind of designed to disrupt. Uh, you know, I can assure you, Arkansas, while it, it's also kind of a three-two-six three-man front stack deal. Uh, I don't know if it's a stack. That's probably not the right word. Uh, it, it's not like Georgia State. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's really going to run anything like Georgia State. I'm not saying Arkansas won't get the best of Carolina's O line, nor am I making excuses. I'm just saying that is a special prep. Sometimes, you know, the, there's a reason Group of Five teams run special prep type stuff because you know it's it's not something you see every day. Experience in the stadium with the upgrades was better than advertised. The speakers were loud and clear. The music skipped a time or two. It worked the glitches out. The lights were better than advertised. Sandstorm Storm was incredible. But the coolest feature from the lights for me was the video. Justin King masterpieces, blah, blah, made me emotional. They also used them really well with the clowny jersey retirement. I've only missed seven home games in 12 years. Easy the best job the school has done in helping set the atmosphere. Uh, that's very valuable to the conversations. And thank you, Pastor Gamecock Pastor, for that. I agree. I, I think, Phil, it the, the stadium, number one, the fans, let's not, you know, the administration definitely deserves credit. You know, yeah. everybody involved with upgrading everything. Uh, but I think the fans showed up too, big yeah. time. Big, yeah, you could tell on TV. Yeah. I mean, that place was just nuts. Rocking. <laughs> Uh, ben said, someone I know said the players had 1% stickers on their helmet. Any idea what that's about? Yeah, uh, they have this thing this year. You just want to get 1% better every day. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, that's the 1%. Jonathan says, love Shane, but stop being so positive with this offensive line. There should be no participation trophy. Star players get star treatment. Not everyone. To say Georgia State has a unique defense is a reason. We had all summer to prepare. That's true. But, mm-hmm. you know. Try Spurrier, start telling the truth about the O-line, come out and tell the backups what they need to do to start, publish each pay layer's grade, talk about how they need to practice on their own, lift more weights, run more, study more. Spurrier never really threw his players under the bus like that, though, John. Uh, he would he would, he would, would say things like, shoot, you know, uh, it's not a, it's not their fault. It's our fault for playing them, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, Spurrier did believe in benching people, but – you know, the level you're talking about here, uh, publish each player's grade. I mean, you're, that's embarrassing. To yeah, it's more humiliation than and, it is yeah, motivating. And, and, and now, know. I tell you, number one, Shane Beamer's never going to do that, nor should he. Number two, you have to be careful about stuff like that these days. These, these is a different generation of kids. I mean, yeah. that, that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that they're not tough. I mean, they just, you reach, you have to reach them in different ways. And if you look at the rest of the team besides that one spot, you know, they've all they all buy into that. 
and what whatever Beamer's doing overall is working. This position group, though, has been frustrating, and I agree. Um, and I just, uh, you know, that that's just not Shane, and I just don't think that would fit. I think that would ruin the rest. I mean, you, you saw Spencer Rattler and Marshawn Lloyd come out and defend those guys. I mean, Beamer starts calling them out publicly like Steve Spurrier. Number one, it's going to be way out of character for Shane. Number two, it's going to it's going to rattle the team, okay, as a whole. All right, Beantown. Bean Town. Uh, he says he's going to knock the name, adopt the name. He's like, this could be hard to decipher after just one game, but in your opinion, what percentage of the responsibility did you give each of these factors for offensive sluggishness in game one? It being a game one, that's probably part of it. O-line talent. I've seen all these guys it's play a, better. It's good at times before. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 2016 offensive line, those guys – you know, there were some mid-20s that did not have good talent. You know, the 2019 offensive line had some young guys like Jalen Nichols playing a lot of snaps as a freshman. Uh, Ja'Kai Moore started way at the end. I mean, I get that. But uh, something's just not adding up here. You know, something's not adding up here. Offensive scheme, wait and see on that. Uh, perimeter blocking by tight ends, wide receivers. That was not good. That needs to get better. No. Um, so, I'll, I'll give it there. Or then other – uh, I don't know about other. <laughs> um, here we go again. I don't know. Other, I don't know. So finally, Joseph from Sparkle City. Shout out Spartanburg. <laughs> Hometown. I've really enjoyed the show and think Phil's improved immensely. Not that he was bad. Just opened up and found his footing. Yeah, and see. I, I, Thanks, Joseph. <laughs> I, I, I think I talk too much sometimes, too. So, uh, you know, my question is, is it is, – it's widely accepted teams improve the most from week one to week two. What area unit are you anticipating the most improvement from last week? <laughs> well, hopefully it's the, the daggum offensive line, Phil. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, Blocking I, across the board. I'm going to say receivers and backs will be more productive statistically this week. You'll see more receivers make more big plays. And I think the running backs – well, uh, I don't know if they'll pile up a bunch of yardage, but, you know, they may get just enough um, to do that. So that's that there. And thus ends – well, I didn't check Twitter. Uh, I was going to say just ends. Uh, so, so we got one more, but we got to clear the mail back here, folks. We promised it. By the way, poll question so far, would you trade A&M to get Arkansas back as Carolina's permanent SEC West opponent? 96.8% on Twitter say yes. 3.2% say no. We're all tired of losing that game. <laughs> just don't want to play him anymore, just don't, man. just don't even want to do it. I, well, fortunately, JC, I think we're going to get to play everybody in like a round-robin situation here coming up soon. So Yeah, I think it'll be like a 3-6-6. In other words, you'll have three yeah. teams you play every year, and probably like Georgia, Kentucky, and maybe Vanderbilt or Missouri. If you like uh, maybe. Or Mississippi. I saw Mississippi State in one model. Well, that'd be uh, interesting. And, and then, uh, and then you place the uh, the rest of the six one year, and the rest of the six the next, which should be interesting. Uh, your boy Ross eighty nine says, "Love the show, JC and Phil. I agree with your neutral stance on the game, JC. There's a lot to improve on, but it's only game one. I did love seeing Mar love seeing Marshawn Lloyd hurdle a defender. Glad he's trusting the knee again. I want to see him succeed so badly. Go Cox. He, uh, I think Lloyd is going to be." Uh, He's gonna be just fine. Yeah, I, th I thought 
Although, I mean, he had like 60-something total yards, right? Uh, if you count his receiving receptions and rushing. And uh, he, uh, you know, and two touchdowns. And it's, any player is not so much worried sometimes about uh, – it, it's not as much of a thrill to pile up yards as it is to get in that end zone, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the deal there. Well, you know, it did him good to get in there twice. Uh, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. to be back and yeah, mentally, uh, I bet that really put him in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gangcat Pastor says, went back and rewatched the first half, saw several missed blocks from receivers, backs, and tight ends. As Beamer said, how do you anticipate scheming around that this week? I don't think you scheme around it. I think you just kick him in the butt and say, go block. Dude. Yeah, you don't. You show him that tape and be like, you've got to do better. I mean, you know, but. <laughs> I'll say this because all this talk about the Rams all offseason, and I went and read up on the Rams. The Rams offense requires a receiver's block. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about scheme and things like that, you know, you know that they've been emphasizing this. Uh, I just think the guys had an off day blocking. Uh, And maybe you get some other tight ends out there and, you know, use Jaheim more at receiver. I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, there's what there is. I guess if you wanted to scheme around it, that's that's kind of what I'd do. I'd maybe get a, a more of a blocking tight end out there and uh, play Stogner split out, Bell split out, and do that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we'll see that there. All right. So finally, all right. Finally, we're done. <laughs> we have cleared the mailbag, Phil. We did. We got it done. Finally. I'm so happy, 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 happy. Put all the talk of last Saturday to bed. Yeah, all right. So we're going to come back with more of the Nana's Porch chat box. And I got some exciting news here in a private chat. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't comment on there. I got to to log it, I guess. Well, I guess I'm the big spur on this or whatever. Uh, Jamie Bradford coming in at high noon for the whole hour. So get your questions ready, Nana's Porch chat box. Uh, for Jamie Bradford, uh, JB, our friend uh, of JB and Goldwater Frame, and we will be uh, we'll be right back uh, here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show uh, after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. 
Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email csearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Oh, thank you, Jaheim. Jaheim Bell. Jaheim Bell, Pierce, courtesy of Carolina Rise. I encourage everybody to go, if you haven't already, join Carolina Rise, carolinarise.com. It's an NIL collective, helps players uh, get NIL deals. Um, you can go there and join for uh, the 1801 Club and get a car magnet. I will send you an 1801 Club car magnet and some other prizes. Uh, if you tell me you join and you are – from uh, uh, from the uh, the show here, I'll send you a car magnet and a koozie and some inside the game pack stuff. 
And the first three, I'll send a, uh, a Carolina Rouse trucker hat to you, too. If oh. you're a new member and join, uh-huh. uh, just tell me, send, send an email to us inside the Gamecocks uh, at gmail.com. Say, hey, I just joined Carolina Rouse. Here's my name. Send me my stuff, dog. Send me my <laughs> stuff. Um, <laughs> so, uh, here we go. <sighs> Got to roll back. Daddy O says offensive line's getting sucked into bad blocking assignments instead of blocking the dude in front of you. That's an excellent point. I tend that's, to agree. The zone blocking scheme, I think, you know. Yeah, and some of it was man, and they were yeah. or what they call gap. A gap is man, basically, when you talk about it. It's not like basketball where it's man and zone. I think right. I make that mistake all the time. Somebody uh, other other way, you know. Uh, Craig says, like to see Nate Atkins at fullback or H-back to lead block in our chip. Uh, Will says, doesn't matter if the blocking stinks, O-line and wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing us in the wishbone made my day. Yeah, see, and that's why I don't really buy. That's one of the – one of the reasons I don't really buy that it was a vanilla game plan. I mean, you know, I, I think it was almost – yeah, you saw a wishbone. I mean, there's some tea in there. I mean, it, it was uh, there was a lot of a lot of different things to look at. It's just it yeah. just wasn't effective. You, you can't stop them from getting in the backfield. You're gonna have a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chancey says, uh, I feel like Satterfield has BMAC syndrome. Scripts the first drive really well, and then it falls apart when things get off script, and he has to make adjustments. Um, I, I you know, okay, I, I'm not sure that I'm there yet. Okay, because uh, I think, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to just not – I'm trying to forget about last year because uh, everybody said, even though I didn't agree at the time, uh, that it was the quarterback situation. Um, so I'm trying just to forget about that. I'm not ready to say that yet, but I'm going mm-hmm. to say this because it's a very interesting point. If that is the case – BMAC's offense was – and BMAC's offense, by the way, his first year was the best offense the, the school's had in 10 years, right? Yeah, they lit up uh, the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, since, stat sheet, yeah. since, since 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the difference, and here's why what BMAC was doing would be better. Uh, it was largely RPO dependent, which is run-pass option, which puts a ton on your quarterback. But when Jake was doing it, you know, Jake, Jake's pretty good at it in certain situations. The problem came when other teams would adjust to the RPO and it kind of outfox the quarterback, and then there were no adjustments. And that didn't happen all that. It happened in that Florida game because uh, everybody was talking about how, you know, oh, they didn't – they stopped being aggressive. But if you go back and look at that game, they snapped the ball with like 20 seconds. They should have been more – they should have gone turtle when they got up 31-14 in that one. Getting the because Florida wasn't stopping them running the ball uh, until they started adjusting the RPO and then just go I formation uh, and uh, and power run it all over, you know, pin and pull or whatever all over them and run out the clock because Florida would Florida couldn't throw the ball that day, they would eventually run out the clock on themselves down 17. But that's hindsight. Let's not talk about that game. But yeah. if you were right, and I'm like I said, I'm not there yet. If you're right, Chancey, I, I I think that, you know, I, if, if it's those two have the same issue, I'd go with what BMAC's doing because at least if your quarterback knows what he's doing, he's got a fighting chance. But like Shane Beamer said in the postgame, they're not a big RPO team. They have some, but not not a lot. Shoot, I don't know that with Rattler that may not be a 
Of course, I think he made a wrong read or something on one of them anyway. Uh, Twisted Chicken says, got to convert more third downs. Got to keep KJ off the field and shorten the game. South Carolina, three for 14 on third down the other night. That was a killer. Yeah, that's a That was a killer. Mm-hmm. Ashley says, we need to take up an offering for Gamecock Pastor's five-point sermon. It was solid. I thought so. Yeah, a little pastor post-game. Love it. Uh, by the way, uh, we got some more news here on the private chat. Uh, former South Carolina quarterbacks coach, G.A. Mangus, uh, one of my friends, uh, will join us at noon tomorrow. G.A. making his debut here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, Daddy O says SEC basketball schedule just dropped. We play Tennessee and Kentucky back-to-back. Yeah, I looked at it. Really, with the way the SEC is these days in hoops, man, you're you're not going to be able to avoid anything like that, something like that, you know. Craig says, hopefully, Evan Warrior could be a Darian Stewart-type safety, big, fast, and strong in the run game. I'll say this, Craig. I'll give you – I'll take you a step further. He is what Izzy McWamu should have been. <laughs> okay, already. Already. Um, and Darian was a great player. God, he was what won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. Two-star kid out of Huntsville, Alabama. They beat Southern Miss on. How about that? But Darian, I think, was about 5'11". Him and Warrior, 6'4". Yeah, that's a big old kid back there. That's, that's freak. Yeah. Want to welcome in the X-Man Xavier to the Nana Sports chat box. A little late to the show, but listening for Brewster Washington. He's a, one of our Pacific Northwest listeners. Appreciate that. Uh, Xavier says, do you think they were trying to keep some of the plays close to the vest? A lot of the playmakers weren't targeted as much as you think. Yeah, that's two different things in my opinion. I, you know, not getting targeted is a lot different than keeping things close to the vest. And maybe they did play calling-wise. Uh, formationally, they put a lot out. I mean, they put a lot of formations on the field. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Dad Gamecock Guy podcast says, You mean to tell me all five don't know what to do? Just joking. Good early afternoon, Gamecocks. <laughs> uh, he says, I don't see old Anderson being back another year coaching the other line. That's probably uh, Adkins. You're thinking of Daddy O. That's okay. I, look, man, South Carolina, there's another part to this where they've got a historically good offensive line recruiting class coming in on paper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Brandon says, JC, Phil, this weekend is setting up for a win for the Gamecocks. Early game, Arkansas coming off a big win last week. We're due as a program. Phil, take that one, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, that this team can play well on the road, but there's just it's that. And that's the biggest question for me, JC, is we, we saw how slow we were to start on the road last year and 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 i just hope that we don't carry that over into this year because i'm doing my best not to associate last year with this year's team i mean this is a different team uh still a good vibe coming into the program but you know i'm i'm i still got two days to think about it before i'm deciding what my pick's gonna be so (laughs) we'll figure it out then i don't know a win would be great a win would be great but i may take the you're going to have to show me something before I pick an upset like that. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, college football sometimes when you have a team that has a less than stellar opener and then you have another team that, that got a big win but, but was not flawless. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that, that team played a much tougher team in Cincinnati, which who knows? Who knows if Cincinnati's better than uh, Georgia State? I think Cincinnati's physically bigger than Georgia State from what Trey said. He said he was shocked at how big those guys were. Yeah. Um, but uh, and who's to say? I mean, they're both Group of Five teams. I, Cincinnati was ranked at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. You know, who, who's to say that? Get week one. Week one can get you. It's the same thing as the transitive property. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we beat this team by this much, and then that team, yeah, that, that'll kill you. Yeah, and um, I'm not saying that Arkansas looked, you know, undefeatable. That's for sure. I mean, they've got their problems, too. So it's just, you know, are we going to be able to exploit, you know, their chinks? You know, I'd be a little armor. concerned about their past defense if I were them. And I know yeah. they got injuries or whatever, but just beyond that, 326 yards to a new quarterback from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, they, they don't have to, what's his name that's playing for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter anymore. So no, yeah. that was, uh, uh, I don't know that I expected that in that ball game. Um, Aaron, welcome in. We have a newbie. First time live with you guys. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank, right. thank you. Thank you. Chase poses an interesting question here, Phil. Why don't you take that one? Kind of? I think Black Magic of the 80s could beat the current squad. I don't know. Uh, the defense looks good <laughs> this year. I mean, right, first game, uh be tough. In that era of football, too, Chase, though, yeah. and hey, look, maybe on defense, because the Fire Ant defense from the 1984 team and then Joe Lee Dunn's group in 87 – Joe Lee Dunn's group plays is that that was a similar it was a three three five, but similar to like what Georgia State does. I mean, um, smaller guys, lighter defensive linemen coming off the edge. The problem would be, uh, I think Todd Ellis would probably get sacked like twenty times. I was going to say, yeah, they'd game. be low scoring affairs because <laughs> uh, your your offensive line back there they're 240 pounds. <laughs> so, uh, but they were tough. They were tough. That was a mm-hmm. tough group. Um, Justin says, we always talk about how that game fell apart, but we never mentioned the longest hold of all time. And that's when it went downhill. That's not the game I'm talking about, Justin. I'm talking about the 2018 game in the swamp. Uh, obviously in that one in, in Columbia, the next year. And this is why, this is why like deep inside, I felt like, you know, when South Carolina beat Florida last year, badly, I was like, you know, Gators are 20 point favorites, but Carolina's due because you, you started looking at that and Carolina beat them in 2017 at home with an interim coach. They blew it in 2018 at the swamp. Uh, there was the hold and all that BS in 2019, which, hey, Carolina won that game after beating Georgia on the road. That was a top 10 Florida team, I think. Yeah. Uh, 2020, it's a two touchdown game and, and the 2020 Gators were good. And, you know, they're firing at the end zone at the end to cut it to seven. Uh, and then you had what happened last year. So Carolina's played Florida in that series pretty well, even when the Gators have been the better team. But, no, uh, the, the the one I'm talking about is up to 31. Debo had the long catch and run. Uh, Jake was playing outstanding. Uh, the defense held up for three quarters. And then they just started running the ball. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Carolina kept going three and out. It was awful. Um, oh, Daddy S says Greg Atkins looks just like Ole Anderson, Art Anderson's big brother. Oh, I didn't catch the reference. Neither. Yeah, four, missed that. It's a four. Our first four horseman reference, four right? Horsemen, that's right. Uh, Will says hoping for a fourth quarter game and we get some turnovers to win. Maybe do a fake punt like they did with the Ingram in Athens. Zach Pickens, maybe run that. I don't know. Uh, who knows. Chase says, I feel like our offense lacks identity big time. And see, that's what I mean by it wasn't vanilla. It was kind of just all over the map. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. I mean, I, you know, there's not 
you know, and, and really the, the games they won last year where they, you know, play, the identity was get the run game going, hit the selective passes, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, North Carolina, Florida, Auburn, all those wins, you know, Kevin Harris ran the ball well as a Quandre Wright, White, and a couple of them, he didn't play in the bowl, ran the ball well. They were able to get the ground game going and, you know, essentially just ran through the teams. I mean, I, I don't think there was any kind of super-duper creative anything uh, in those. Uh, you know, I thought that the North Carolina game and the bowl had a lot of balance and stuff, but that they were kind of the same plays. They are just with Derek, the Karen Jordan quarterback. Um, he goes, I don't know what to expect, even with Rattler, at least with Muschamp. It felt like we were going to score two or three times a game. Yeah, some of those offenses, sure. It's just one game <laughs> we've seen. It one is game. one game. We it is seen one game. One Remind game. the people of that, Phil. Remind. <laughs> H-Man said since he could have won that game if the quarterback had hit some of those open receivers in the first half. New quarterback, though, so we'll cut him some slack. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Carolina's yeah. – that's what I said. If somebody's looking for a, a unit to show, like, to make a leap. And, look, I thought, I thought that uh, – Juice Wells played really well. I thought Jalen Brooks had his best game as a Gamecock, uh, which surprises uh, a lot of people, and really including me. I didn't know if in a game the kid was ever going to take off, but boy, he, you know, I, I don't want to hear anything else from anybody about Wingate transfers. Uh, right. <laughs> if he keeps this up, okay. Because everyone's like, what did you get go for Wingate? Doesn't matter where you come from, folks. Doesn't matter where you come from. It'll get frustrating uh, though if we don't see improvement because now we know we've got another weapon to use. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, you, you go through it, and you, you sort of talk about all these guys all off season, and you know, Juice Wells is kind of what we thought he was. Jaheim yeah. Bell played well, and Lloyd played well, and, and lo and behold, Jalen Brooks is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh man, they, they got to get better. Uh, Jalen Brooks can run too, man. Right? Like a like a. I'm like his pants were on fire. Yeah, after he he, looked, one of those he played a hell of a game. <laughs> he did. I'm proud and happy for him. He's been yep. through some adversity. Uh, and I, he's been through some adversity. <laughs> or must champ. Overcome the adversity <laughs> on the field. <laughs> Chase said, uh, watched 100 years of Gamecock football, saw footage of them. They looked fast and tough. They were. They were tough yeah. and fast. They were just smaller. Uh, different time back then, didn't have big, bigger people, I guess. I don't know. When people walked the earth in the 1980s, <laughs> they were smaller. Humans were much smaller. It's like it's documentary. Uh, H. Kenny says, low 80, sitting back quietly smiling after Brooks' performance. Got to hand it to him. He, yeah. he did say something good about him and all that. Mm-hmm. I've always said with Brooks, it's not athletically, I just kind of felt like he would be passed and with Corey Rucker and Xavier Leggett improving and the guy sitting there. But I, I knew that when he got back on the team, the coaching staff was they, – they, they were like, well, no, we need him. And so that's uh, that's good there. And so, yeah, good for him for getting that, you know. Now, um, you know, so we'll see. So Will says LOL uh, on that. That's the Nana Sports chat box. Going to have Jamie Bradford coming up on the other side. Once again, just confirmed, G.A. Mangus joining us tomorrow at the Nooner for the Nooner. So so who do we have? So we have Chris Phillips tomorrow. Yep, Chris Phillips, and- 11.30 tomorrow, G.A. at noon. And let's see, 
We're not going to have Meredith on Friday through September. She's got some things going on, playing some tournaments and stuff. But right. uh, we will have Michael Flint at noon on Friday. Michael Flint, noon on Friday. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. I can't wait for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. um, all right. So, Jamie Brever, come back. I, I want to say this, too. I, I did I did write an article today. And, and so, those, those, so let me just kind of lay this out for you guys. It wasn't really an article. It was a post on the board. VIP. So if you're not a member, you didn't read it. So, so here we go. So go the last 13 games, because I don't count Eastern Illinois, right? Because that's a, a bad FCS team last year. They're pretty good this year. They uh, did they play Northern Illinois? Um, played them off their feet. NIU, yeah. So last 13 games against FBS competition, South Carolina won the scores within 21 points in a football game. So I'm not counting garbage time, right? Mm-hmm. South Carolina is averaging 1.28 touchdown drives per game from outside opponent territory. In other words, on their side, on, on Carolina's side of the 50. And I even counted if it's like, you know, a 53-yard drive. Just as long as you're on that side of the 50, that's fine. Uh, so 1.28 touchdown drives per game. They had four against North Carolina last year. Two were on long passes. And I'm not saying you have to drive the ball down the field and run time off the clock. You know, I'm going to get – I'm not saying you have to sustain it. It's just scoring, you know, mm-hmm. uh, touchdowns, which is the point of the game. They had three against Vandy, including the Zeb to Xavier uh, deal at the end. Um, and those were the high points in games last season against Georgia State this year. They managed two. Uh, the rest were either when the game was not in doubt, like blowout, or they took over in an opponent's territory. Uh, check this out. One touchdown drive <laughs> – uh, as I laid out, you know, inside their own territory, when the game's in doubt, one they managed one against East Carolina, one against Troy, one against Kentucky, none against Tennessee, none against Texas A&M. That Florida game, Phil, they only had two. Right. They had two and a bunch of field goals and then scored with one at the end to go up th- from 23 to 30. Mm-hmm. They had two against Missouri because uh, two of those were inside Missouri territory. And then two against Auburn because one was inside Auburn territory. None against Clemson, obviously. Yeah. Um, scoring touchdowns also, I think, will help the game guys get off to a better start. Uh, and the road, which is something we're going to talk about with Jamie Bradford because he's kind of been stressing this all offseason more than me. Mm-hmm. You guys got behind 14 nothing in East Carolina, 14-3 at Georgia, 28 nothing Tennessee, 44 nothing Texas A&M. Uh, got off to a good start against Missouri. Then they're driving and they fumble. Next thing you know, Missouri's up 17-7. They don't start well uh, on on the road um, at all. And uh, the defense, especially, and I've got an article coming out, I'm probably going to put up there the break, uh, about how, you know, in SEC road games last year, this defense gave up an average of 469 yards a game, 470 really, and 245 yards per game on the ground. Uh, and considering they played the Georgia Bulldogs, one of those games – uh, and Georgia only got 184. You know, you're talking Missouri 258, AM 290, Tennessee 247, all on the ground. Yeah. Uh, on the road. This team played pretty good run defense at home and, and, and against East Carolina. And, 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 you know, we're just talking SEC games here. So a lot has to change Saturday, Phil, like uh, for the game guys to get a win. But this is not last year. This is this year. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think we'll just kind of have to see. Uh, what happens uh, and uh, go from there. So anyway, 
We'll be back uh, after these messages with Jamie Bradford here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too. So I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843 699 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. 
Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, Mo Cobble here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. All right, hour number two of the show, Inside the Game Guys, the show. Thank you all for listening. I guess that's... All right, there we go. Hey, I'll listen to that all day. Yeah, I mean, you know. I'd rather listen to that than me talk. (laughs) (laughs) Inside the Game Guys, the show, hour number two, brought to you by the REMAX team. Burgess, I'm sorry, the Burgess and team at REMAX at the Lake. If you're interested in commercial real estate, please give them a call. Diehard Gamecock fans, they can help you out with multifamily housing. And guess what, Phil? It's time to tell our audience before we get Jamie Bradford in here about Manscaped. All right. Let's talk about Manscaped. So support for Inside the Gamecocks, the show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BIGSPUR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Mm, that, was, that was impressive. Worldwide shipping. <laughs> 20% off Big Spur. You guys want to know how to help the show? Help the show. Uh, go get you some of that. I have the performance package. Myself. I mean, Manscaped is about to receive a bull rush of customers after that read. They Here should. they come. That's Cock-a-doodle right. Cock a doodle, dude, man. <laughs> 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 All right. So Jamie Bradford's in the house uh, here with us for the final hour of the show here on Hump Day. We'll Every time I think about Manscaped now, just so you know, for whatever reason, I always think about Joe Dirt. Say it, don't <laughs> spray it, baby. <laughs> man, oh Joey Dirte reporting for work. We're trying to church it up, son. Don't you mean Joe Dirt? <laughs> 
<laughs> Shoot, buddy. <laughs> Say it. Buddy. Don't spray it. Don't spray it. <laughs> Y'all don't need to make me laugh. My cough's going to come back. Anyway, it's just good. Great, great movies ever. Joe Dirt. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right. So Jamie's here. Uh, just did drop an article on the Big Spur. Uh, Jamie, we talked about this all off season, and uh, you, you, I got to give you credit because you, you kind of, it wasn't something that really had stuck in my mind of all the things. Um, is the game guys have really struggled on the road uh, mm-hmm. lately? I mean, you know, it, it, it's not it, it's not easy to win on the road in the SEC. Uh, just figured it up since they beat Georgia in Athens in 2019, one of the you know numerically best wins in school history. Um, number three, Georgia. Uh, they've, they've dropped 10 straight in the SEC with a crowd in the stands. Now, they did beat Vanderbilt in 2020, but uh, I guess Nashville was the only place uh, in the SEC that wouldn't allow any fans. So it's basically a scrimmage. They, they basically went up there and scrimmaged Vandy and beat him 41-7. But, uh, man, you look at it, it it's, been, it's been pretty ugly. Uh, they've mm-hmm. lost by an average of 42-21 to 21. last year. You know, 40 to 13, 45, 20, 44, 14, 31, 28 to Missouri could not stop the run uh, at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's the key. I I wrote today, got an article out. I I, I think it has to, you know, they say you take your defense and special teams on the road. Uh, I think the Gamecast got to take the defense on the road. I mean, we talk about the offense till we're blue in the face and we will, Mm -hmm. but uh, you got to take that, uh, you got to get right on defense because. As good as they played last year for some turnovers, doing all this other stuff, those four SEC road games were ugly, including Missouri. Yep. First of all, good to see you. Uh, good to oh, see yeah. everybody else. Uh, happy game week once again for South Carolina and uh, the rest of the country in college football. You, yeah, you, you, you did what you do. It's your show, so I get it. You, you totally, uh, you, you blew my, uh, my blew my opening monologue here. Uh, it's, oh. it, it's a, no, it's it, in all seriousness. It's atrocious. You said the average score, but let this sink in for a second. In the last three seasons, 19, 20, and 21, they've combined in the SEC for 13 road trips, right? In the SEC, 13 road trips because they did have five in 2020 uh, with the COVID season. In those 13 road trips, they are 2-11, and 11, as you mentioned, with the win over Vanderbilt uh, and then that, uh, that somehow wild victory in Athens. Uh, so – in the two games that they've won, the defense has given up an average of 12 points per game. In the 11 games that they've lost, they have given up an average of 41.36 points per game. That's like beyond awful. I don't even know. Is there What is the worst word from awful? I mean, it, it is so bad. And, and we, I mean, you always, you know, you know how I am. I'm big into adding context behind things. Um, so you do need to add context to all of this, and, and it would probably take a whole day to actually go through and find all the information as to why that is. A lot of the times, the defense was horrible. A lot of the times, also, the offense was horrible, and the defense was on the field for 45 minutes. So, I mean, they all had a hand, you know, turnovers and things like that. You set somebody up on the 20-yard line, they're probably going to score in this league. I mean, that's just – at the end of the day, though, that you can you can wrap it all into one big, one big gift and put a bow on it and say – Overall, the last three seasons, the road, yeah, not good. And if you include 2018, guess what? They're still giving up an average of 40 points per game on the road. So, I mean, oh. and, you know, in, in 2018, they won two games on the road. 
they should have won three, but they blew it down there in the swamp. So uh, it, it just hasn't been good. It just hasn't been good. And I think most people knew that this season you were going to have to play well on the road in order to increase your win total. And I think that a lot of that optimism came from the fact that, well, okay, we should be able to score now. But we're kind of right back in the same seat that we've been, you know, for the for the better part of the last year in the fact that we don't we don't know if we can score for a multitude of reasons. I'm sure we're going to talk about much of that today. But there is, I think, a, a fear, a, a fear that we've had before that's kind of crept itself back into the minds of Gamecock fans. And knowing that we have more talent, better talent on offense, and, and we're kind of in the same boat. But we've only seen four quarters. You know, they could they could come out this week and and be firing on all cylinders. Um, but based on what we saw in the first game, yeah, it, it's got left a lot to be desired, and everybody knows what lies ahead at Arkansas, Georgia, and then after that you get a you get a couple of hopefully cupcake wins, and then you you go right back into the SEC with a trip to Kentucky, and then you got A and M at home. So people looking down the road are going, well, I thought we were going to be better, and now instead of well maybe we can get out of this stretch at two and two in the league. People were kind of more shifted to the other side, like, oh, my God, what if we start 0-4? So I, I get why some Gamecock fans, many of them, I understand their fear, and it's going to be up to the football team to take a lot of those fears away. They don't have to win on the road, J.C., but there's just got to be a, a bunch of improvement on the offensive side of the football at least. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, Arkansas presents its challenges on defense. And, you know, last year, it just uh, the defensive guys, you know, in some of those games, now look, you're playing Tennessee. They're they're tricky to stop, right? <laughs> they're going a million miles an hour. You're playing Georgia, the best team in the country last year. Some would say the best team in the country this year. Uh, you know, uh, you're you playing Texas A&M, who owns you, who's talented in the night game at Kyle Field. Um, Missouri was disappointing for the defense. I, I thought I thought maybe. You know, all those rushing yards they gave up against Missouri and Clemson were probably the, the low points, but they kind of redeemed themselves against North Carolina and all that. Um, so, so you look at it, you know, Arkansas is a running football team. They're going to try to hit you with passes for sure. They're creative in what they do. Trey Knox, their tight end, I think is a freak um, and, and, and an X-factor player to watch. But they want to run Jefferson. They want to run Rocket Sanders. They got a guy named A.J. Green. <laughs> of all things, who Carolina recruited. I think he's from Oklahoma, uh, who, who's coming into his own. They got the best offensive line or one of the best offensive lines in the SEC. Uh, you got to you kind of kind of get some stops. I mean, you, you can't you can't just let them boat race you like what happened last year. But I'll remind everybody, too, with the defense specifically, I saw some things Saturday night, uh, Jamie, that I did not see last year. Uh, I saw a, a, a linebacker in Mohammed Kaba who's played probably one of the best games of a linebacker, you know, as far as looking the part athletically and going out there and playing. Uh, I thought he played great. Uh, he's a major upgrade. I think he's going to continue to get better and better. I thought Debo Williams played well. I thought Brad Johnson played well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I know Brad was out there last year, but, but Debo and Kaba are, are fast guys. And, and that that's, I think, can help some of the, the steamrolling. They got a veteran secondary. Uh, they got, uh, you know, a defensive line that, that should be better, you know, this year. I think Alex Huntley, uh, Boogie's an upgrade over Jabari Ellis. So, you know, uh, 
there's reason to believe the defense, I think, uh, can get there and hold on the road. I think that the defense is going to continue to get better and better throughout the season. I mean, I, I like the defense. I think that they had a good opening night. Uh, by the way, I'm going to use one of his comments here, so I want to throw that in, throw this in with that. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Sam Pittman. I mean, you know, next to Coach Beamer, he, he he's probably my favorite coach in the league. I like the way that he runs his program. Um, I, I like his tone. You know, every week he's kind of the same guy, but um, he's a big believer in what they do at Arkansas, and, and that clearly has transpired. He's gone out and hired excellent coordinators in Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom. Uh, there, there's a lot of really uh, there, there's there's a lot of good stuff in that program that I have a lot of respect for. And uh, and what he said yesterday, he said South Carolina has excellent linebackers. Been a long time since uh, we've yeah. heard something like that. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe a little bit of coach speak there certainly. Um, but, uh, but I do think that collectively as a group, this is a, it's a pretty good group, JC, and they might even be better than we thought they were going to be coming into the season. If they can stay healthy from time to time, the Gamecocks have rolled out a pretty good linebacker or two here and there, but collectively over the years, you hadn't had a bunch of really good ones. Um, this group seems to have it together. And if they do, I think that this defense is just going to continue to get better and better. It's, it's just hard for me to understand or believe that that defensive line is just not going to be good. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I mean, you got two five-stars starting up there. Uh, it's it's hard to, to think that they won't be. So I'll always give them the benefit of the doubt until they, until they prove us otherwise. And, and look, overall, you know, two-thirds of the football team through one game has improved. I mean, special teams, that was the best game in the country last week. Um, the defense, I think, is better on all three levels. And then, of course, the offense has, has you know, much work to do. Uh, so – yeah, I, li- I like the defense. I liked watching the, the linebackers run around last week, and they played fast, yeah. and that's good. Um, you know, they, there was it, – it's no offense to guys like Damani Staley who gave everything they had for the Gamecock football program. That, this group's different. They play quick. They play fast. They play intelligent. You know, they're not scared to stick their nose in there, uh, and um, and that's fun to see, certainly. I Look, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of talk has been on this, this guy over the last 72 hours or so. I've rewatched the game one and a half times. I got to get through the second half for for one more, but um, I, I really, really liked how Jordan Birch played the other night. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the, the secondary. Marcellus Dial. We knew they were going to pick on him a little bit if they could, and um, and I thought he ended up having a nice game. The secondary overall played well. Devonnie Reed looked good, and we've kind of hit on everybody else thus far. I, I liked the way that Jordan Birch played. Um, just, just how he fired off the ball, that first step, the way he was using his hands, all those type things. I'm not an expert. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But he's a guy that you can see that has developed. And I really liked watching him play. And I think as the season goes along and you get into some of these game, these SEC games where they feel like, hey, we can go mano a mano with the Gamecocks up front, you're going to start to see him win a lot of those one-on-ones, and then they're going to start back double-teaming him again. So that was that was neat to see for, for Carolina, and they're going to need a lot of that in Fayetteville on Saturday morning. Yeah, I thought I thought Birch played uh, you know, I, I I was a little concerned, you know, just because he had missed some time and he was a little banged up and you know, there was some talk about the motor and all that good stuff, but you know, and, and I always thought that's kind of what he hey, maybe he read the press clippings and was like, Oh, I'm gonna go out here and play my butt off. I thought he's really good in run support, honestly. Uh and uh winning his battles uh, up front, you know, yeah. and so I'm with you there. Uh and so it's a different ball game this weekend. But no 
Yeah. Uh, it's also one where at, that's why you recruit athletes like Birch and Pickens and Huntley and uh, Strawn is that those are fast pursuit guys. Uh, that's why you recruit Muhammad Kaba is because, you know, if they play their assignments right, theoretically, and they don't, you got to watch your eyes against this team because what they'll do. And, and yeah. then Jefferson sometimes has all day to throw it. That can't happen Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's why you recruit those guys to go out there and compete in the Southeastern Conference. All right, so we're going to take some some stuff off the Nanosports chat box, Jamie. Yep. Um, Chase says, we beat Arkansas 28-17. Lack of DB play from Arkansas. Wow. Playing yeah. off blitz from the Arkansas. Quick fires, two or three touchdowns. Juice, Brooks, Bell get a TD, uh, as well as possibly K.J. Jefferson. <laughs> he scores for their team, huh? Uh, K.J. Jefferson injuries and take home the well. I don't know about that. Uh, I will caution everybody again. Yes, Arkansas, Catalan may not play, and he's a, he's an elite player, and you can't replace him, but they're replacing him with Latavius Brini, who started 12 games at Georgia last year. Yeah, who's a, who's a national champion. Oh, yeah. that defense. So I I don't know. Uh, I think South Carolina's going to have some opportunities in the passing game simply because of what Cincinnati did to them. Your your thoughts about that, Jay? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I You know, I, again, we're pretty – Still pretty curious as to what this offense is uh, and what it aspires to be. Um, we all know Barry Odom defenses. If you paid attention over the years, I mean, he's going to do his best to get, uh, you know, to to cause some chaos up front with just three or four guys, and then he's generally going to mix seven or eight behind him and uh, and try to confuse you and force you into turnovers and things like that. Every once in a while, he's going to bring the house. I mean, he's unpredictable and he's a great, great defensive coordinator. So. Um, but you know the tape's out now from the from Georgia State last weekend, and and we were very confused. I, the offensive line this week's gotten a lot of scrutiny. I understand that everybody else deserves it too. Stogner missed quite a few blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the both both running backs missed some blocks here and there. Um, I know I know Juju missed one. I know I think Marshawn kind of clipped one, but he didn't get his guy either. I mean it, it was all over the field. You know so that stuff. I don't know how you clean it up. I don't know if if it's you know schematics type thing. If it's you know, they're playing a lot of guys, different personnel and different packages and play calls and things of that nature. Sometimes you need to go back to the old Steve Spurrier thing. You're the best player, you're going to play. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure what they'll do to clean some of that up. They're going to need to get it cleaned up, no doubt. I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, 28 I, – I hear you, Chase. I love the positivity. I hope you're right. Uh, that will be a hell of a day for the defense. 28-17. This series, guys, is – the games generally aren't close. I mean, somebody blows out the other one is generally how it works. Yeah. You look back – you know, the 23 games they played in the league. You know, it's, it's rare. I mean, it's nowhere what? close to Tennessee or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. Somebody beats the crap out of the other one is usually kind of how it works out. Um, you know, West it, Coast it, game. Yeah, I mean, it's – shoot, that's been a while. 04 and 05 back-to-back were close. Holtz beat them. Yeah. Matt, I, remember, yeah. I still can see Matt Jones in my dreams running. And yeah. somehow, some way, Savelle Newton, and they, they won that game because they had to win to get bowl eligible, 35-32. Finally beat Arkansas. Finally beat Houston Nutt, who had it out for him. Yeah, uh, Everybody kind of felt good about the 0-4 team at that point. Then they, And then everybody found out Spurrier was coming. And then the game guys get blown out by the Zucker at the Swamp, and then they go up to Clemson and there's a fight. And the rest is history. The yeah. next year in Fayetteville, was like an example of Spurrier's genius in terms of coaching staff adjustments because the the 05 defense was not they were not world beaters right uh, I think they made, it, made the it, switch to Tyro Nix right 
Yeah. And uh, Oris Lambert or D'Adrian Cooley won, had an interception and sudden change. He goes downtown, Blake Mitchell to Kenny McKinley on the deep Kenny. post. Yep. And yep. Carolina held on 14-10, and they got bowl eligible that day. Yep. And after that – yeah, it hadn't been. Then it was the Felix Jones, Darren McFadden show, and and then we, we blew them out a couple. That we beat, we beat the hell out of them over there in in Fayetteville. I think back in 2013 or something. Oh yeah, that was 50th uh, Spurrier. It was like, feel bad for Arkansas getting beat like that on homecoming. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so I, I, I look, I, I really believe, and I don't know that this would be because of a bad defensive performance. I just think that if if they want to, if they have a chance to win this week. Football teams have to score thirty points or more. Um, I mean, I think we, I think we got to put points on the board, guys. And and I don't know if we can or can't, but I think they're going to need to, they're going to need to put some numbers up there, and um, we'll see. Arkansas wins a lot of games, like 31-28, 31-24 this past weekend. Uh, the bowl game was a little low scoring against Penn State last year, but you know that, that and then A and M was a low scoring game, but uh, sure. You look at their games. Most of the time, they're scoring points, and they don't they don't shut people completely down or out. They they give up their share, but it's uh, usually enough uh, to get the job done. They beat their ten and four in their last fourteen games. They beat Texas, Texas A and M, LSU. That was a low scoring game. Uh, I think it was on the road though. LSU, uh, Missouri, Penn State, Cincinnati, and I think Mississippi State. They lost by one point to Ole Miss in a shootout. 52-51. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost by seven at Bama. And that, they, that Ole Miss game, they went for two and didn't get it, if yeah. I remember correctly. Could have won the game. Uh, lost by got, lost by seven points at Alabama last year. Got boat raced by Georgia. And then in a bizarre midseason game, Auburn went out there and cut them 38-23. Yeah. Uh, other than that, they hadn't lost. To keep in mind, in 2020, when people were like, Arkansas is not going to win a game, they won three and then lost two more on last-second field goals. Right. So Sam Pittman's done a great job. I mean, and they they they're as solid as they come. Oh, solid. Uh, per, yeah, I mean, solid's a great. Well, they know who they are. They have an identity. They have an identity on defense. I think South Carolina does too. They have an identity on offense. I mean, that that that's the big difference in the ball game. It is there is no identity for the Gamecocks on offense to this point. Uh, Arkansas has a huge tip of the cap. If you wanted to p- compare, you know, offensive lines. I mean, theirs is better than South Carolina's. But when you look at personnel outside of that, you look at your playmakers. I mean, it, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the 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 displeasure has come from the last few days because, you know, we've been told for months, and, and, and we know it. I mean, these guys have proven this. We've seen Spencer Rattler. We've we've seen Juice Wells. We've seen Josh Fan and Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner. We we know what Marshawn Lloyd is capable of. It's not like these guys just came out of the blue and, oh, this guy's going to be great, and then you never see anything. No, they've all proven it in their careers. And and so then you go out there and watch that, and you're like, um, more of the same. And, and, you know, and on that note, I just have to throw this in here. I'm not sure if this was on the, the agenda today. And this is no disrespect to anybody else, but based on four quarters of play, I think the purest wide receiver on the team is Juice Wells. I mean, his first step and the way that he runs routes and his feel out there is spectacular. I mean, he is really good. Uh, and I think he's a guy who should only continue to get more touches throughout the season as long as they can try to find a way to get things figured out. Yeah, uh, yeah I uh... – 
you know, that, it, it, that, that's juice is not a surprise to me. I, no, I, I he's felt good. Like, I felt like that guy, you know, when they beat North Carolina and Texas and Florida and all these schools on him and you saw what he did at JMU and you heard what the coaches up there said about him. And he's a, he's a guy that as a recruit did not have grades. So he went to Fork Union and then worked his way back to JMU guys like that. that kind of know and Jay Brooks is not the same guy. It's taken him a little bit to get there uh, as far as, you know, coming from the lower levels uh, and play it up. But juice to me, I want to see him get a, a vertical a little more. Uh, I want to see what he can do on some of those deep plays. Uh, I, but you know, heck you got to have blocking to take uh, uh, vertical shots. Right. So yeah. that's, yeah, uh, that's what scares me the most is they're, you know, what looks to be the most exploitable area of their defense is the one that you're going to have to give your quarterback time to actually execute. <laughs> and are we able to do that? Cause it did not look like we were going to be, I mean, we can at this point, it's only one game, but yeah, that's where we're weak. Well, and to your point, Phil, with Rattler, Rattler's got that feel and that sixth sense and he's got that internal clock. Mm-hmm. He, he understands the game. The, the, the football is very slow for him. And like last year, for instance, right with Carolina's quarterbacks, with Luke being young and being hurt, um, Zeb Nolan stepping into the SEC for the first time, Jason Brown stepping into the SEC for the first time. Those guys, you know, they did everything that they could, but the game was very fast. And and everything that moved around them was lightning quick type speed. And, you know, it, it, it took time to try to get their feet underneath them. That's not the case with Spencer Rattler. Yes, it's the SEC. Uh, defenses in this league are better than defenses in the Big 12. There's no doubt he's about to find that out starting this weekend. But you could just tell last weekend just the little things, knowing when to use somebody's weight against them. You got a pass rusher in your face, and that split second when he's able to move just a tad to get him out of the way. Um, knowing when to let go of the football. Uh, knowing how to just keep everything calm when there's nothing but chaos surrounding him. And he and he did take three sacks. but uh, And there were times, Beamer was right, if you actually go back and watch it, you know, he does need to get the ball out on a couple of those here and there. But every quarterback does every game, you know, and that can't be the reason that you're not scoring points. Like, we can talk yeah. about that. That's fine. But seven out of eight plays that were snapped on Saturday night, Spencer Rattler was trying to figure out how to avoid somebody or Marshawn Lloyd or whoever was getting the football. And so, like, the game was – he. that's the good news. Like, and while they're trying to fix this, they have a quarterback who can – who has that internal clock and he can slow everything down, and he can think mm-hmm. clearly when there's so much going on around him. But, but they they got to find a way to help him. I mean, we we watched it. Any of you that were at the game the other night, if you were there, forget the TV stuff. If you were at the game, you can see when the ball comes out of his hand, it's different than any quarterback we've had it, that I can remember. Um, I mean, I I could. I mean, Stephen had some touch. There's no doubt. I mean, there's been quarterbacks who've got some touch here and there. There's been quarterbacks who've got some arms. But this cat, you know, when he's when he's getting out there and doing his thing, the ball to, to Brooks was was a great example, obviously. It comes out differently. I mean, he is special. But we need to give him a chance to be special. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's what I'm just so worried about is that, you know, we, we didn't give him that chance. But, I mean, week over week, I'm sure, because a lot of that is just simple – just blocking because it's not even scheme or anything like that. You're just seeing guys just whiff, you know, so you can clean that up. They just have to dedicate the the time to put in and do it. 
Yeah, because if you give him another second or two, then you can see those down the field throws. You're going to be able to watch, you know, that. But yeah, you made a great point though, Jamie. Is we've got we've got the best you know quarterback we've had in a good long time, and it was good because he's throwing the ball away a couple of times. You know, it's like oh man, good decision maker. You know, you yeah. can see he's looking downfield. He's not panicking, even though he was a little. You know, shook. <laughs> well, and I, I, people I, in his face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, guys, that's where, like, we we if if Spencer Rattler wasn't here, I think this week after those first four quarters of the season would be much worse from a reaction standpoint. Oh yeah. But but I think that a lot of people still have this cautious optimism because they're like, well, God, you know, at least we have a quarterback. You know, we got a guy that we that we know can play. We've seen him do it. We just got to make sure that this thing can click and give him an opportunity to go out and do what we know he can do. Mm-hmm. And you're playing a team that gave up some a significant amount of passing yards against a uh, brand new quarterback for Cincinnati. Uh, and you watch the Cincinnati game, and you know the Bearcats left some on the field too. And so when you when you talk about the receivers, and you, you talk, and this is like kind of amazing because I, I think South Carolina for a few years there did not have. Uh, a a bunch of options at receiver, <laughs> uh, and, and did not have a bunch of options at quarterback either. So we talk about the game guys throwing it all over the place. That, that's probably a good thing. Satterfield said in his press conference today he wants them to run the ball. He said, um, "Well, he uh, he watched an old Oklahoma Nebraska game this summer and said, run the wishbone. <laughs> uh, Bell's going to touch the ball every game." Rattler's friend Tarkenton. He said good things about the line. Uh, they didn't go back to the tempo because they weren't able to do it because of inconsistent play. I don't know what. what anyway, I think tempo and spreading the field to run it is something I've kind of been preaching. They yeah. Uh, last year, if they're all, if you're not getting a good push, you know, sometimes you spread it to run it. Uh, and that 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 can cut, sometimes work, especially with a back like Marshawn Lloyd that can cut and wiggle in there, and and, and if he gets free, he's gone. But man, they got look, Marshawn Lloyd. His he is lightning. I haven't we we've not again. Here's another one, and this is I don't. I hope nobody misunderstands me for for trying to to crown these guys like you know this is going to be the uh, this is going to be the you know the next you know ninety. Five Packers or something. That's not what yeah, I'm saying no. here. I, I, but but when you watch Marshawn Lloyd run the football, forget the number of yards he had and stuff like that. Like if you if you know anything about football, and you know anything about running backs, and you watched him the other night, there hasn't been a guy that has put the uniform on that's had that first step type quickness since Derek Watson. I mean, nobody's had it. Mar- Marcus wasn't as quick as he is. Now Marcus had vision. And and Marshawn, that's that's just going to come back. The more reps he gets, it's going to happen, and he's got it too. But I'm not saying he doesn't have it. But like the the be able to put your foot in the ground and make a guy miss instant. But but I think the difference is is that Derek was more jittery. Derek was more shaky, if that make makes sense. Marshawn is more. Um, gosh, the words kind of eluding me, but like there is just a stiffer quickness to what he is trying to do out there. It can happen on a dime, literally. And and it doesn't take two or three steps to shake somebody for him. It's one move. So, like, getting him the ball in space. I thought they were way too predictable and forceful with, with Jaheim Bell. Yeah, he deserves 13, 15 touches or more a game if you can get him the ball. 
but that doesn't mean forcing him the ball. It means being creative to get him the ball in space. Um, you know, and so I, I was I was a little disappointed in that. Again, I, you know, Marcus Satterfield knows 10 million times the football that I know. But when these are the guys who are supposedly going to carry the weight this year for your offense and you're using bunch formations and, you know, we're, we're not using screens, we're not using draws when there's six or seven guys in the backfield every time the ball is snapped, we're not getting guys into space who we know can be explosive. It just makes me wonder – you know, what's going on here? Is there a feel in the play calling? Is there not a feel? What are they seeing? What are they not seeing? I don't know. There's been a lot of different stuff thrown out. We'll just have to see it again this week and find out. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the the play designs are are good. Like, I, I think they're running good stuff. I, I just don't always know the consistent – that he's gotten in a rhythm – uh, even the North Carolina game, I, I'll say this. Uh, and sometimes you, sometimes once you get into a rhythm as a play caller, everything's fine. Um, even the North Carolina game, it, it wasn't so much in the second half that uh, he was in some rhythm. I thought the first half he definitely was. Uh, had them way off balance. But, uh, it, it, you know, South Carolina started to be able to just line up and punch them in the mouth and run it. And if you think of the games – that, the, that South Carolina was good on offense last year. They all were able uh, to get a push, line up, and, and punch them in the mouth and, and run the ball with Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White and whoever else, Florida, Auburn, North Carolina, you name it. You name it. Uh, some of those earlier wins were more like uh, offense scored one touchdown. <laughs> I yeah. guess Randy, they had three, but uh, one touchdown, the defense saved the day with the turnover or pick six or whatever. So that's um, – that's just one of those things uh, that I've noticed is that it, it just seems to lack rhythm. And, you know, as a play caller, it's just like being a quarterback. You have to kind of get into a rhythm. And, you know, when, when things get disrupted, maybe that's the case. And, you know, he was talking about tempo today and said he thinks the team plays better that way. This may just be the year that you do it, man, because if you got Spencer Rattler and a bunch of good receivers and Marshawn Lloyd and a line that's a little bit suspect, even a little bit suspect, right? Tempo can kind of help you because you're going fast. The other team's got to get set. They, they're sick to their stomach. They don't know where you're going. Um, you hand it off. You got playmakers. You get it in space. You catch them napping or lined up the wrong way. Uh, easy touchdowns. So I'm not yeah. saying I don't think they're ever going to go Tennessee fast, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a, that's fast, but um I do think throwing some tempo in there, and I thought it was interesting he said today, and I apologize to everybody. I was kind of watching it on Twitter, like his quotes. Um, he did say, interesting enough, he thought that the team played better when they went tempo, but that they did not get to it because they needed to sustain drives. I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe you, th- maybe you don't start that way on a drive. You throw it out there. I mean, some coaches do that. They use tempo like they don't want to do it like right away, but then – what they'll do is once they get a first down, they'll start going fast. Yeah. Boom, 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 uh, and all that. Okay, Jamie, take a break. We'll hold you over, and then we'll come right back and uh, more stuff from the Nanosports chat box. We've been we've been infiltrated. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been I've been a little off here. <laughs> I, I've been uh, very uh, very entertained by uh, Doctor Phil's sketchy internet search history. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like nude, nude. HD best adult dating site. The one yeah. of them, they wouldn't even let me block it. I had to put them in timeout, so I got to oh watch five more minutes. They may come back. They may try I'm to come back. You got the but manscape. If you don't subscribe, Phil, they just won't come up. If like you that. don't subscribe. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Inside the Game Cast Show, we'll be back after these messages. More JB here on a hump day. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention, attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to mckellarenterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show i used to be president of the united states and i love the show with phil and jc back to the show all right so this spencer rattler leaving the pocket too early thing i i man i'm sorry uh, lots of people are saying that. I don't know if they're running cover for what. Uh, I know there were some guys open. I know every quarterback leads receivers on the field, right? They, they want passes they'd like to get back. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's as easy as it looks, right, to some people. I don't think he left the pocket too early. I think he had to, to avoid sacks. Um, you know, could he have stepped up one or two times and maybe made a play down the field? Yes. Uh, I don't think we're ready to to make that like a bad part of his game or or, or, or something. I, I think I think uh, we're almost crossing into the South Carolina fans have a toxic relationship with every quarterback that has played here since Dylan Thompson territory. And you know, I don't, I don't think people need to go down this road. But what do you guys think? Who said that? Oh, it's just all—it's all over my message board and Twitter oh, and everywhere else. I haven't seen it. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I hate to do this because I know what it's like to host a show and you're trying to create da- dialogue. I'm not yeah. going to entertain getting into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I'd rather go outside and count grass blades and have some conversation like that with some idiot that knows nothing about it. I'm I mean, well, no, there's, there's, I mean, there's people that you know. There's a guy that breaks down film on our site. It's just like, uh, I don't think he realized that. Uh, he resp- I saw him respond to the tweet. A tweet. I'll put it on Twitter. I don't think he knows that I know who that is. Uh, he's always kind of running cover. You know, he's a big fan of the OC, so uh, he will spin the crap out of things. If uh, it, it's all about learning this pro style offense, and you know how it's going to take two or three years because there's some genius uh, light at the end of the tunnel or something like that. Uh, I like I like his post. I think he's uh, I respect anybody that loves football, but sure, uh, it, it just bothers me sometimes that players get criticized by people that really are qualified to do it. And um, I mean, I, you know who else left the pocket too early a lot? Connor Shaw. I mean, I, I see Collins uh, tweet uh, text or whatever it is message board yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stephen Garcia. Said, I've known I've known Stephen since two thousand seven. I've known him for fifteen years. And I'm friends with him, and I'd be glad to text him and say, elaborate on this. Um, I don't think that Stephen was saying that, that if Stephen said that, knowing Stephen, that was more along the lines of a, uh, there's a couple of instances where this happened, but this isn't like, like he's a habitual drug user. 
I mean, this isn't a problem. You know, I mean, every every again, every eight snaps other other night, seven times he was running around trying to figure out where to go, or it was Marshawn Lloyd. I mean, it's going to take his toll from time to time. Yeah, I think Steven actually – didn't Steven say this before the season, like based on Oklahoma stuff? Uh, and, and I think I think in um, – if you go back to, to the last year at OU, he didn't have the protection that he had the year before. And, and honestly, everybody else uh, – in 2020, they weren't playing the defense, uh, you know, uh, too much in 2020. Uh, and maybe he did kind of scramble around a little bit because he was facing more pressure last year. But, uh, you know, but I, I think Steven said it based on Oklahoma. I, 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 and I think what happened in Oklahoma was fundamentally different than what happened the other night. I just, you know, I didn't really see. There was maybe one or two times he could have stepped up and, and, and you know, stayed in the pocket. And I get it, man, because these guys that played for Spurrier, you just didn't leave the pocket, dude. Uh, but if Steve Spurrier's your offensive coordinator, then yeah, uh, you know I. Yeah. If, if Mark Satterfield proves to be Steve Spurrier, I'll say yeah, you need to sit in the pocket and do it and give the play a chance because when Spurrier was calling him, somebody was going to be wide open, and if you ran out, maybe they weren't. But I, I, I think Spencer Rattler, if it weren't for his scram- ability to scramble and complete plays down the field, South Carolina may lose that game Saturday night. Uh, so that's why I'm not even. I mean, you know, you, you do what saw, you need to do to win the game. Dude, I saw a lot of problems the other night, and and Spencer Rattler getting out of the pocket too early wasn't one of them. I mean, maybe that's something that needs to be adjusted by the coaches. Again, I, there's three or four balls uh, that he, he probably should have just let go of, uh, and Shane was right when he said he said it after the game Saturday night immediately. Yeah. He, he wasn't wrong. Right? Shane, yeah. Shane was dead on. Uh, that's not the bulk of our issues at Carolina right now offensively. So, um if you know this weekend, if every time the ball snapped, uh, you know Spencer's just trotting over to the sideline because he doesn't feel like standing in the pocket anymore. We'll talk about it next week. But that until yeah. they get a bunch of this other stuff corrected, man, I it's hard for me to waste my time on something like that when that's just not the primary focus. Yeah. Of what what's wrong? And I kind of understand where Steven's coming from, you know, too, because you, you have to kind of think how he played quarterback. And I, I remember they had to they sat and and I'll tell you what. There were Steven Garcia would sit in the pocket and get, I mean, oh, he'd take bullets all day, man. Dude, that guy. So I understand one quarterback to another where he's coming from on that, right? Uh, and and I respect him more than anybody. I mean, you know, it's a lot different than a a message board guy that sits there and pretends to break down film all the time. Uh, so anyway. Uh, but that's that with, with that. So, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to worry about it. So, Sorry I ruined your Black yeah. Panther pod. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what are supposed to do when guys in white jerseys are standing back there in arms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah one arm's yeah. length from your quarterback. You know, yeah. uh, Marion uh, has a point. He says down, some, some guys throw the ball better rolling out and on the move. They do. I, I, but I, I tell you what, uh, and a guy on my message board actually did point this out, and I, I, I thought about it, and I agree with him. The pass he threw to Josh Van that he dropped, that was through like the middle of four defenders. I mean, that yeah. was a rope. Oh, I mean, and boom. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. And that, so I, I think he's capable of making every throw on the field. Oh, no I question. I think he just got to protect it. Comes out different, man. It comes out different. Josh should have caught that ball. I mean, I know it was a kind of a difficult catch to go back and do it. Josh will tell you right now. No, I should have caught it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it, it, and there's, it that's it. In the uh, story. So. Yeah. And so, and, that's, and, and so, so I'll ask you this, Josh Van Alston Stogner, 
Uh, I think they need to be more involved in the passing game. Uh, I don't know if that's more targets or, or what. Thought thought those two probably could have made more of a difference, you know, and, and, and you know, it was so chaotic out there. Who knows what was actually dialed up. Uh, but I look for those two guys to, to maybe have a rebound game uh, this weekend, especially Stogner, who could be just a gigantic 6-6 weapon <laughs> in the passing game. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you're if you are playing seven or eight, like Missouri, um, Arkansas is more than likely going to do this week when they <clears throat> they're going to drop seven or eight guys into coverage and try to make force you into a mistake. You might see a lot of that. You might see a lot of Jaheim Bell, Austin Stogner, kind of curl it out after seven or eight yards. You know, these little dump down type things to the tight ends just to methodically move the ball down the field. I mean, here's what I think. I think they have a lot of options. And as games go on, like when you start the game this week, when you start the game against Georgia, when you figure out who has the hot hand, you play that guy. You know, you might – it might hurt some of our feelings. You know, we might look out there and see, you know, Josh Van just isn't getting a lot of targets, and that's because Juice Wells and Jalen Brooks are catching everything that's thrown to them. And, and sometimes you just got to play the guy that's just playing better. I mean, it hurts. It sucks because, you know, you, you do feel like you have a lot of options. But, I mean – I mean, let's just be realistic. There's not going to be 6,000-yard receivers on this team this year. No. There, there are not going to be three guys that rush for 1,000 yards. Like, that's not going to happen. Guys have to separate themselves. And so I think, you know, how do you do that? Well, your stats are separated from everybody else at the end of the year because you separate yourself throughout the season as, as, as games are played. And so you're going to have to go out and, yeah, I mean – you put it on paper, I'd like to see Josh Van get more targets. I'd like to see Stogner get more targets. I'd say, like to see them use Jaheim Bell better. And they probably will use him differently this this, this week now that uh, Christian Beal Smith is going to be able to go and be able to play. And that's great. But at the end of the day, you know, as the game's going on, uh, if it's if it's Stogner that's, that's doing the bulk of the work and they're double and triple teaming basically Jaheim Bell and you can't get him open, then you need to keep throwing it to Stogner. And you just got to let these guys separate themselves and continue to evolve and adjust your game plan with who's got the hot hand. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely what you got to do there. And so, so we'll see sort of what happens. You know, Arkansas, uh, like I said, you know, they, they may be susceptible against the pass. This may be one of those games where the Gamecocks maybe has to pass to, to open up the run. I, I don't know. And, you know, there's so many what ifs, Jamie, after a first game. So what is so what was it? Well, was it first game and then they get better? Was it Georgia State had this shocking scheme? Um, was it that uh, that they maybe was maybe they had a little few wrinkles or something that threw them off? Uh, you know what was it? You know I think once you get a game two, you kind of settled in. You've seen what Arkansas can do. You got game film on them. Uh, you know game film. Uh, they got game film on you too. So. Uh, Maybe less surprises. I don't know. I, I just uh, – uh, I, I have a gut feeling this weekend is going to go a lot better than last weekend. Uh, if it does not, uh, I think the bottom line is that, uh, you know, this program probably just isn't where Arkansas is at right now. Uh, if you kind of think about Arkansas and what they've done over the last two years, maybe their incomes just aren't there. But uh, I, I don't – I don't think it's an overwhelming type situation. I mean, eight and a half—they're only eight-point favorites. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, which means on a on a neutral field, it would be five. So, 
you know, those boys in Vegas know something. I, I don't know that it's that big of a – I don't think there's like a huge talent gap. I think uh, if Arkansas runs away with it, it's just because their program, like you said, has an identity. They know how to go out there and win within what they do. And maybe the Gamecocks just aren't ready to do that yet. Yeah, I, I really – I'm not sure. I can't remember who asked it yesterday. It might have been somebody on your staff, but it was a really good question to Shane. Are you a believer in – you know, the most improvement in football seasons from game one to game two. That's a great question. And, and and I think that Shane had a really good answer because sometimes, sometimes you win game, like Shane said, Hey, sometimes you win game one, you lose game two. So, I mean, is that improvement or not? I mean, maybe you play better in game two, but you lose. Maybe you play better in, in game one and you win or a game one and you lose and you play better in game two and you win. I mean, it's always going to be a little bit different. Right. Um, so I think the correct answer was very similar to what Shane said is, uh, you learn the most after week one what what you need to improve. And then it's all about can you improve it. So, um, you know, I, I think with, with the Georgia State game as well, there was a similar feel, even though it was in Williams-Price, to the East Carolina game last year. And, like, ECU looked forward to that game all offseason. That was their Super Bowl, right? And this was Georgia State's Super Bowl. Now, they got another crack at a Super Bowl this weekend, but – the difference is 20 guys on that roster are from the state of South Carolina, and then you got the head coach and Corey Peoples. I mean, there was a bunch of connections to this program. So there was a there was a lot going into that, and I'm sure that there was a ton of extra time spent on Gamecock football inside the Panthers' facilities to try to figure out how to, wait, how to beat them. You know, with that said, South Carolina obviously had plenty of things that they need to get fixed and cleaned up. Um, and so how does that translate? I mean, it's it's mono and mono this week, right? I mean, it's the SEC, it's the trenches, it's the playmakers. And you step up, you stand up, and you got to start playing your best football. Yeah, I, I think so, and, and I think that's uh, that's the key this weekend. I think if the Gamecocks play their best, they can go out there and win. I mean, I, I think, like I said, Arkansas is an awfully solid football team. Great respect for what they do. Not, I, I agree with them being favored. I think they're the favorite in the game. I'll probably pick them to win. But I'm just not sure that you know if Carolina plays better, yeah. uh, they won't do. Um, they won't. They, they they won't surprise some people this weekend. And and I think for the program too here in year two, you go out on the road. I don't care who you're playing, JB. Uh, you've had these struggles on the road, and you you snap that by beating a top twenty team that a, a lot of the pundits talk about and have talked about all season. I mean, I know. I know Josh Pate loves Arkansas. I know Michael Bratton loves Arkansas. I know Brad Crawford loves Arkansas. Yeah. We've all been hyping them up all offseason. You go out there and beat their offseason darling team, and, and nothing wrong with them being – they'd probably be mine too. Uh, that's going to say a lot. Yeah, it's so, going to say a lot. I mean, and, and I know we're short on time, but, I'll, yeah. you know, I'll tell you that what I'll be paying attention to, first of all, the start. Uh, last year and and previously uh, we mentioned the numbers of the last three seasons 41.36 points per game allowed on the road in the sec the last 13 games or two and 11 in the last 13 games on the road in the league it's it's bad you got to start good you can't go out there and just have it blow up in your face and then outside of that jc turnovers on defense big plays on offense i know that probably sounds maybe a little bit cliche but if you can hit a couple big plays on offense, especially in the first half, and you can force some turnovers, they're going to be in the ball game. If they can't, they won't. Um, and, and so if they can find a way to get that done, then um, South Carolina might be able to surprise some folks in Fayetteville on 
uh, early on Saturday afternoon, and we'll see. All right, Jamie Bradford in our uh, – I like this time slot better. Gunner's time slot of 7 a.m. is killing me. I don't miss the morning. Man, I'm going to have to miss again. I'm I'm, I'm hating life because, like – like if a carpool like issues the last two Thursdays, I may get him to change my Thursday. Thursdays end up being not that good for me with the kids. So I'm going to have to call him embarrassingly after this and uh, back out yet again. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. I'll, um, uh, I hope he's not that mad. Check will not be in the mail. There's no check, dude. <laughs> you know, that'd be a different story if there was a check, but there's no check. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because I'm not getting one either. So. Uh, I know. <laughs> if, you, if you would have said, oh, you're right, it probably won't be, then I'd be like, wait a second. You're this be like, I, may, I, may, I may see if I can switch my time up and, uh, you know, or my day. Because Thursdays just end up being brutal. Maybe from here on out, when you're on or when I'm on, we'll just prank call each other. <laughs> Like jerky boys style. <laughs> hey, my dad is a prank Is this uh is this Heath? <laughs> like a prank call, like, hey, you have your radio up, you yeah. know? Yeah. Todd. Todd. Yeah. Is this Todd? Yeah. We're gonna throw it to the tight end. I tell you hey. what, <laughs> Thursday night call-in shows have become a really happening thing in my house, man. I it's a good laugh for now. They're raucous. They're outstanding. Johnny and Lamar. You're almost Coach Beaver. <laughs> hey, I got in trouble for making fun of Todd because oh. uh, somebody said I got. Uh, well, I, I forgot Spencer Rattler was wearing seven, uh, and I said a lot of names wrong, like 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 Uzi Amulu and uh, you know some of those names that we've yeah. had recently. Uh, I don't even try to try to pronounce them. And said, yeah, JC talks so much crap about Todd, yet he never gets the names right. Oh my God! Yeah, of course you look it up, and it's some neck bearded guy, you know, and all that. So it's uh not a uh you know the, you're the type of guy that usually doesn't like yours truly. And so uh hmm. you know and he went off. So I just told him not to listen anymore. You know <laughs> I was just like don't listen anymore. I'm not, making, I'm not making fun of Todd messing up names, man. I'm just I'm just making fun of Todd. And I'm not a professional play by play guy. And uh and it's all in good fun. We love Todd. I mean we're game cops. So, you know. Yeah I I think it's all in good fun. I mean, what? As a matter of fact, you know what? Why don't you invite him on the show and you give your impression of Todd to Todd? Why not? Because he wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't think Todd Ellis is a J.C. Sherbert fan. I just. Uh, I get. Or the, maybe let me back up. A fan of the Big How about that? I've yeah. heard through the grapevine he's not, and it may just be because. People post about his, you know, oh, you're not good. It may also be because, you know, one of my good friends probably, uh, I've always said strongly that one of my friends, but it's um, not here the now, now, right? And we all know who that is. So, yeah. anyway, all right. Well, as always, yeah, it's a little expensive when you keep me uh, over the deadline. I never I know, did that to you, JC. Checks in the mail, uh, JB. So anyway, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we got GA Mangus on tomorrow. So oh, tell Coach Mangus I said hello. Uh, tell him awesome. I said hey, and 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 uh, love it when he talks football. Get him into the X's and O's. Uh, there's he is so good at that, as Damn. you well know. As you well know, He's outstanding. Yeah. All right, JB, appreciate it, man. As always, man. Thanks, man. thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.
All right. Thanks for uh, all you folks here in the Nanosports chat box uh, for uh, being part of the chat. Uh, and we're running over today, so we're going to get out of here. Uh, don't forget tomorrow, uh, we got Chris Phillips, 1130 Spurs Up show. After that, G.A. Mangus joining us to break down. We're going to get into all the X's and O stuff. You won't want to miss it. Uh, Daddy O says, Todd. Oh! <laughs> so anyway, uh, I look, I love Todd Ellis, man. I, we made it clear that, you know, we're <laughs> just having some fun with Todd here. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I, that's why I couldn't believe that guy on Twitter. You know, they, they, every uh, every day a killjoy comes along, you know. And <laughs> somebody's like, you know, you make mistakes, too. I mean, yeah. I'm a, yeah, sure do. <laughs> screaming right I Phil say I, I called Barry Odom Dave Odom the other Right, day. yeah. I mean, you know, come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, for Phil Mullinax, this is J.C. Sherber. Thank you for uh, – Joining us today, we'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday. Uh, always, you can get this on Apple Pods. You can get uh, it on Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. It's up shortly afterward. Don't forget the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast is also available. This week's episode dropped last night on Apple Pods, Spotify, whatever. I'll be a guest on that SEC podcast later today, so check out Michael Bratton's episode if you want to hear yours truly and lots oh, of good nice. SEC talk. Thanks to Manscaped. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, especially the Burgess, Burgess and team at Remax at the Lake, who sponsors the second hour. For Phil Mullinax, it's J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Game Costa Show. Have a great hump day, everyone.